0: Welcome to the Crosswalk Community Church Podcast. Here's Mari Fitzwin with a special message from the Awaken Monroe Revival Service. And now Psalm 134 and 2 says, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Psalm 101 says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And lastly, Nehemiah 9 and 5 says, stand up and praise the Lord your God, for he lives from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. Amen. All right. Let me tell you, that's good. You can be, yeah, you can be seated. You know, um, there was a very specific reason I I asked you to to do that and why we've practiced what God said or have acted out the scriptures. And um, it looks like everyone participated, or most of you participated, and and I'm glad. some of you jumped right into the exercise and had fun obeying and others were kind of looking around, oh, should we do it? Okay, I guess we will. And I think most of you were feeling it and went ahead and did it. You know, what we believe affects the way we think and the way we think affects what we expect to happen. And... um Tonight, I want to talk to you about God wants to do more than you think. He wants to do more than you think. 1 Kings 13, 14 through 19. This is Elisha speaking. Elijah speaking. He said, open the windows toward the east. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, even the arrow of victory over Aram. For you will defeat the Arameans at Aphek until you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. And he took them. This is the king of Israel. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. And he struck it three times and stopped. So the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have struck Aram until you would have destroyed it. But now you shall strike Aram only three times. Now, Elijah had already explained to the king that the arrows he had represented the victory of the Lord. And yet, when he told him to take a prophetic action, he just sort of haphazardly did it. Can you imagine that God is telling you, this means victory? And you just do a, I think, I don't know for certain, but I believe I would have tried to obliterate those arrows and smash them and break them in half because I want God to give me complete and total victory. And, you know, what do we expect from God? We expect big things from God. We expect great things from God. But God also expects us to do our part and to show that we have um, the faith to... Except something that, that doesn't really seem to make sense. Maybe in his mind he thought, well, if I just strike it a couple of times, that's fine. But God wanted him to move ahead. Sometimes we expect God to step in after we find out, oh, that's what it meant. You know, God will give you a word sometime, and maybe you haven't had this experience, but I have. Where God has given me a word to do something, I just take my time about doing it anybody ever been slow to obey when you're slow to obey he's still faithful to to do but a lot of times you don't reap the entire uh blessing of what you would have been reaping because you were slow to obey and um i heard someone say one time that um Delayed or slow obedience is really just disobedience dressed up. So now I'm trying to be more um, intentional about listening and doing. The prophet Elijah had already given the king's, king God's promise of victory over the enemy army. He obeyed completely in the faith action of shooting the arrow, shooting the arrow in the direction of the enemy army. But when it came to how he expected that victory to come, he only half-heartedly took actions in striking the ground. What did he expect? What did he expect from God? He had an open opportunity to completely destroy the army. but he And in fact, as you read his story, he did just defeat them only three times instead of completely destroying them. So this is going to be a little different service. I'm going to share with you some testimonies of healing so that we will just build our faith. And after that, again, after that amazing worship, hopefully your, your faith and your uh, belief that God will heal is, is, is way up here, exceeding more than what you expected when you came in. One night I had a miserable, miserable eye pain and I had a horrendous headache. And as I began praying for relief, Holy Spirit prompted this thought in me, he said, pain and faith could not abide in me at the same time. I had to have one or the other. And as I prayed my legal authority over that pain and exposed its illegal um, attempt to take authority over my body, that pain dissipated and I fell asleep. And I remembered the experience the following day, and I praise God for revelation of more truth about his love, mercy, compassion, and another way that he heals. My son Kiefer was born without tear ducts, and we didn't know it when he was, we didn't know it at his birth, but I I would notice, you know, when he cried, his tears would come this way, and, you know, I was still a fairly young mother, I didn't know that that was not right. It, it looked odd, but you know, I, I didn't know. And he eventually um, had conjunctivitis. We took him into the doctor about eight months, and the doctor said he has conjunctivitis. And after he cleaned it, he said, "Well, this baby doesn't have tear ducts." And I, I thought, "What? No tear ducts? I've never heard of that." And he said, "Well, we can perform surgery. It's a simple procedure." showed me this long needle he said we take a needle we you know put him to sleep take a needle puncture the membranes and give him tear ducts and i i thought mm, nope moms can you relate not my eight month old baby that that uh-uh. i was horrified and i was frightened and uh, i went home and you know uh, tearfully tried to explain to my husband what was going on and what the doctor said, and we prayed, and, you know, tear ducts are so tiny, we, we, didn't, we, we didn't see them. They didn't miraculously appear. And uh, we took him to church, and the, the folks at our church prayed for him, and the day of the surgery arrived, and reluctantly, we took him to the hospital and turned him over to the, the nurses, and they went to prep him for, for surgery. And uh, you know we filled out all the paperwork where they list all the risks that you will take with the, the surgery, and you know I, again I was just I was horrified. But um, they wheeled him in the in the bed down to the operating room, and we sat down in the in the waiting room, and still praying, and you know just protect my baby, watch over my baby. And the doctor came rushing out. Took his hat off and, and I just, you know, leaped up. I, I don't even know that I was thinking. I just jumped up because I'd watched enough television to know that when the surgeon comes out shaking his head, it's never good news. And I was, I was terrified. I was like, oh no. I said, what happened? What happened? And he said, I, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so what happened? He said, I, No, I checked your son at the hospital, I mean, at the doctor's office. And I thought, well, I'm going to check him again just before we do the procedure. But he has tear ducts. He said, I know. Come on, let's, yeah, let's praise him. He said, I know. I know that he didn't, that he didn't have tear ducts. And I said, well, he said, I must have overlooked it. And I said, no, we prayed. The church was praying for him. So, no surgery and tear ducts. And, you know, what do we expect of God when the doctor gives a negative report? What do we expect of Him? We sometimes expect Him to heal us miraculously, and sometimes we expect, well, we deserved it, whatever the situation is because of maybe some past sin or something that we've done. And, you know. This is God's coming after me or whatever. But that is, is not the case. What we should expect is that as a kind and loving father, he will hear us and he will heal us. I want to share with you a testimony from one of my dear friends. This, this just happened uh, in January. A routine mammogram showed a small shadow that caused my doctor concern. So she ordered a needle biopsy. The day before Christmas Eve, uh, they found that the small shadow was indeed a malignancy, less than one centimeter in diameter. The single spot is the only area with malignant cells. In February, I'll do six weeks of daily radiation and that will complete the treatment. Two days later, she had a lumpectomy. Now, fast forward a couple of weeks later, she said in my face-to-face meeting with the oncologist yesterday, she explained that there was no residual cancer. And I was happy because I thought that meant they had got it all out. But she said what that really means is that when the pathology came back from the surgery, there was no cancer. There was no lump, no mass, no tumor, no cancer cells anywhere. It was completely gone. oncologist seemed almost giddy. She kept laughing and saying, do you know how rare this is and what the odds of this are? I told her that a lot of people at my church had been praying for me. Our church is experiencing um, a lot of miraculous healings and a lot of healings that are happening with the aid of a doctor or medicine. God heals. And Sometimes when we're healed, we end up losing our healing because we go back to whatever it was that happened um, to cause our condition. For example, if you are a diabetic and the Lord heals you of your diabetes and you think, well, I'm healed. I can just eat all the food that I had to turn away before all the sugar and the, you know, salty and whatever it is you're not supposed to eat as a diabetic. But you already have the proclivity to have diabetes because it's in your family. You can undo what God has done. You can eat so poorly that you will have diabetes again. So sometimes when you're healed or you hear of someone being healed and then the condition comes back. It's not God's judgment. It's that they didn't steward their health. You have to steward what God gives you, whether it's money or your health. Whatever it is, we have to take care of it. And our church has, we've had so many miraculous healings. I'm going to read you a few more. Jen came for prayer to our service in terrible pain from a herniated disc. After we prayed for her, all the pain left, and she could feel internal pressure inside, pushing out her spine, correcting a pre-existing scoliosis. We also had someone come, um, Susie, who had been suffering with Rocky Mountain spotted fever for three years. She came again the following week, to tell us that since receiving prayer, some major changes had taken place in her body that point to the complete healing of the RMSF. Her hands used to hurt a lot during the night, and that completely stopped after receiving the prayer, starting with the night after we prayed for her. And there were other things, problems in her lower abdomen, um, that were resolved and shifted. She is very grateful to the Lord Jesus, and she looked radiant and very joyful after that. Planter Thessitis. Sydney came for prayer. Uh, her left foot was in a great deal of pain. We prayed and then asked her to walk around the room and see what the Lord had done so far. She said that about 60% of the pain was gone. We prayed again and again asked her to try and uh, tell us what was different, and then she said about 80% of her pain was gone. At that point, we prayed one more time, and um, by the time she left, 95% of that pain was completely gone. We told her to come back so we could take care of that 5%. We had somebody praying for a baby. Julia came to service, and she and her husband had been trying to have a child for three years. And uh, we prayed and blessed her for a new season of fertility. Somebody saw her at a local, local store. She got pregnant that very week. Yeah. Margaret, a young woman, had suffered with Crohn's disease for the entirety of her life. Our prayer team went to pray for her in the hospital. And since that time, Margaret has not experienced any of the symptoms of Crohn's and considers herself to be completely healed. These are some of the testimonies of what's gone on at our church. Back and knees healed. Intense back pain healed. Prayer for another baby. Pregnant. (laughs) Herniated. What else can I say? (laughs) Herniated disc. Migraines. Frozen neck and back. Basal cancer cells. I can't say this one. Periformis syndrome, which is a back and hip problem. Uh, inner healing for depression and self-loathing. Uh, prayer for another baby. Uh, stroke in the eyeball. Hip pain and bone spurs. Cervical nerve pain. Pancreatic, cre- pancreatic cancer. Stage 4 invasive, metastasized cancer. And this particular woman was wheelchair-bound. Uh, she, had, she had come in a wheelchair, and when we finished praying, she was out of that wheelchair, and she was completely healed. Um, another member, fourth-stage liver cancer. And um, he, he said that his blood CEA was 14,000 when he came in. And um, now, when we prayed, this was over some weeks for him. We prayed and prayed and prayed, and it, it, uh, at his last visit, it was down to 97 from 14,000. And he said that the catch scan showed the tumors in his liver had shrunk by, shrunk by 50%. When he started out, they were big as a slice of bread. He said, now they're small as hazelnuts. He healed. Because God wants to answer our prayers, um, that, that's, that's one thing. But he, he, he wants to answer our faith as well as our prayers. And so faith plays a big part in healing. But if you are not healed immediately and miraculously, it doesn't mean that you didn't have faith. You and you alone what know what your level of faith is for God to do a thing. And uh, we're very careful, and I'm certainly very careful, to never uh, keep any condemnation on someone because they're not healed, to say, well, you didn't have enough faith. And don't let anyone put that on you. It's not a, a matter of that. It's a matter of when God chooses to heal you in the process. And oftentimes, uh, it's not God trying to teach you a lesson or for you to learn anything, but sometimes there's a process in your faith that involves uh, others around you, maybe within your family, that they need to see the process of God healing you because they don't believe. They don't believe God. They don't believe you. They don't believe anybody. They you know, don't believe in in a lot of things. And so God knows why he does what he does. But he wants to answer our faith. And sometimes our prayers and our faith just don't match. So we know that he wants to save, heal, and deliver. In Ephesians 3 and 20, Paul wrote, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. God wants to do more than we think. We like to to believe that we don't have God in a box and that we have this big expanse in our mind for God. But in reality, I think all of us, to a certain extent, we have God kind of boxed in. But tonight I would ask you to just uh, whisper a simple prayer, just between you and God, and if he's if he's boxed in in any way, if you um, expect him to do something a certain way, release that. Say, God, I, I, I want you to do, and you know what the fill in the blank is for me, but I want you to do it your way. I want you to do it the way that you want to do it, not the way that I expect it or the way anybody else expects it. Um, what I love about the Lord is He doesn't, um, He's not intimidated by anyone. You know, He's not, He's not intimidated by anyone's thoughts of how He should do a thing. He's not intimidated by what we don't believe. He's still God and He will always be God. And as we said in the beginning, he is from everlasting to everlasting. And I choose to believe that he wants me healed. He wants me happy. He wants me prosperous. And he wants the same thing for all of his children. This podcast has been recorded live at Crosswalk Community Church. Services are held every Sunday at 10 a.m. at 925 South Telegraph Road in Monroe, Michigan.